Hi, I'm Pastor Torin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. Hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. Well, we've been talking about law and grace. And I want you to understand that where we're at right now, we've come to two very solid conclusions. One, there's a God. Amen. The Bible says that nature declares the glory of God. Listen. I'm telling you what, I, Beth and I stayed up the other night. Well, she stays up every night, but I, I stayed up the other night to watch the moon. Have you heard about this on the news? The moon, I think it was last Saturday, was at its brightest. And, but it was at its brightest at 11.33 at night. Now, I don't know who, who planned that one out. But I know I, we were, we, we, I, I, I grabbed the telescope we have in the house. And I said, Bethany, come on, let's go out and look at it. And... Uh, in fact, if you're friends with Bethany on Facebook, you've probably seen her picture of her looking up at the moon. And it, it, the, the, the problem is the moon is so bright that it distorted the picture, which kind of looks kind of cool, but that's, that's the way it turned out. And, um, boy, when you look up at that moon and you look at the stars, the Bible says we're created with this understanding. Even if we don't know God's Word, we're created with the understanding of knowing that there's a God. I told you uh, two weeks ago, even ancient civilizations believed in gods. It's only at this point in history do we find a mass group of people that are trying to declare that there's not a God so that they don't have to be accountable to anybody. But can I tell you, there is a God and we are accountable to Him. Second of all, we said, listen, there is, if we believe there's a God, we also believe there's a right and a wrong way to live. How many of you know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they put on us something that we've carried ever since? And that is that everyone that's born has a knowledge of good and evil. Say, well, pastor, I'm not sure about that. Well, I've proven it with my own children. I remember the other, it was, well, let's see, I can use the example a couple weeks ago. I was coming into the kitchen. We, we, We tell Jacob all the time, please don't eat all the cereal, son. We want to have some left for Sundays and for the weekends. And sure enough, when I come around the corner... There's Jacob standing on the stool, about to step up on the stove and open the cabinets above the stove to get out the cereal. And he looks at me, and he's got that shocked, guilty, i just been busted look. And I don't even have to say anything. As he slowly puts the cereal back, he's staring at me the whole time. Puts the cereal back, closes the door, gets back down and... Runs. (laughs) So that's the mark of any good criminal. They know when to run. uh, But uh, he knows that there's a right and a wrong. Do you know, instinctively, I think, too, we understand uh, when there's right and wrong. Most people will call their conscience. We as Christians understand the Holy Spirit, and we know how he works in our lives. So we know that the Holy Spirit is telling us that doesn't seem right. That's not right. We shouldn't do that. The sad thing is, how many of you know that most people, most people uh, don't want their conscience? If I've studied the Bible correctly, I'd be able to tell you the best guess I have at what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to tell the one who convicts your heart of right and wrong to get lost so you don't feel guilty when you do wrong. Can I tell you that we live in a bad state We live in a bad place if we get to a point in our lives when we do wrong and we don't feel guilty about it. 
Because the Bible says there comes a time when the Holy Spirit will no longer convict men of their sins. In other words, there's a, there's a point when, when, when he almost says, if you, want to, if you want to quit, quit. I'm only going to deal with you for so long. Thankfully, you know, I've never met anybody like that. I've never met someone that I thought was so far gone that they could not be saved. But I, I believe there have been people like that in the past. And the sad thing is, more and more people who don't want to be accountable to God, don't want to believe there is a God, shrug off their conscience, shrug off the Holy Spirit, and decide they would rather live doing everything they want to do and not think about the consequences. But in the end, how many know that we're all going to stand before God one day? Four of you. Great. Well, can I tell the rest of you know that we're going to stand before God one day? All of us will. And this morning, I want to talk to you about three types of people Paul mentions in the Bible. All three of them uh, pretty much fit in the categories today. And all three of them still have no excuse to sin. How I many you know there's no excuse to sin? Absolutely no excuse. You know, we used to, I don't know if you realize this or not, but it used to be a TV show. I won't tell you what it was because some of you go back on Hulu or Netflix and watch it. But there used to be a TV show where a man would go around always doing wrong. And you know what his famous tagline was? The devil made me do it. Can I tell you, I don't care who you're hanging around or who you're listening to. If you want to sin, you sin because you choose to. I said it a while ago. People, people live uh, in, in horrible lifestyles not because they were forced that way, but because they choose to live that way. Listen. Let me be honest with you. If I wanted to be bitter and angry about my birth mother uh, giving me up for adoption and not wanting anything to do with me, I could have kept that chip on my shoulder all my life. Or, or, or maybe I could have kept the chip of my birth father who refused to admit I existed and wouldn't sign my adoption papers for six months because he didn't want to admit he had a son. I, I could have kept that chip on my shoulder and, and, and lived with that all my life. But you know what? I can't do anything about it, so I might as well live right now. Maybe you don't hear what I'm saying this morning. Listen, sin is a choice. It's amazing how many people choose sin and how fast they choose sin, not thinking they're going to be guilty. Well, here's the first problem, and let me just start reading from Romans chapter 2. And we'll talk about three different types of arguments on why people shouldn't have to worry about sin. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, you who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things, and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, uh, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life by those who are patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But those who are of self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish, 
on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. One of the first problems Paul runs into when he's dealing with people and talking about sin is this idea of, well, as long as I'm better than somebody else, God's not going to judge me. You know, we've done this for a long time in the church. In fact, I think one of Paul's problems is he's talking to people in the church when he's writing this book. When you, when you look at the details of what he's saying, he's saying that a lot of people feel it's their place because they feel higher or better or grander than others to put others in their place by judging them and giving them a position on earth. Can I tell you, I'm so glad Paul clarifies the fact that there is no partiality with God. God looks at each of us individually, whether we're a king or servant, whether we're a congressman or, 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 or a citizen, God looks at us the same. He doesn't put people higher over than others uh, so that they can look down and judge them. A lot of times you see this in all different forms, but let me just give you a couple of, of lifelong examples that I've seen throughout history that, that prove to be the point. Look at the people who are rich over the people who are poor. I've, seen, I've heard and been in places where I've heard people who have more, who are more well-to-do, look down on the poor because they're poor. And they say, well, you know, the problem is, is they wouldn't be such a bad place if it weren't for drugs and alcohol tearing them down. And the problem is, some of these rich people will then leave and go get a drink. And then go to the, to the medicine cabinet where they have enough prescription medication to knock out a horse. The Bible says, listen, the problem when you put yourself higher than somebody else is, whatever standard you set up for them, God also judges you by the same standard. Do you remember, uh, I think it was uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says, judge not, lest ye be judged. A lot of people have said to themselves, listen, see, you can't judge me. That's not what that says. What it says is, it says that when you start to judge other people, God holds you to the same standard you hold other people to. But a lot of people say, well, God's not going to judge me, uh, Brother Kevin, because I'm, I act better, you know, on Sundays than most people. You know, I, I, I'm doing better than somebody else. Can I tell you, as long as we have the attitude of, look at me, I'm prettier, I'm better, I'm more well-to-do than other people, and judge people according to our status, can I tell you, God doesn't, isn't pleased with that. In fact, the Bible is very clear to point out that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Can I tell you, unless, some, unless you, most of us, and when he's talking about looking on the heart, he's talking about looking on the soul. And I want you to understand this morning that no matter how much better you live than somebody else, it does not mean that that separates you from judgment if you sin. Some people have said, look, pastor, my sins aren't as bad as this other person's sin. Look, they're living in moral depravity. They're living in all this uh, disease and filth and, and all this. Look, and, and my sins aren't as bad as that. You know, we've... Did I have your attention this morning? I know I feel like I'm rambling. Did I have your attention this morning? Can I tell you there's no such thing as a little white lie? 
We've judged this before. Well, those bad congressmen, they just get up there and lie to us. They, all them people in Washington are full of liars and hypocrites, and yet we do the same thing. Do you know the Bible doesn't differentiate between lying at all? In fact, I'm pretty certain in the passage we read last week in Galatians, the Bible said all liars, all liars will have their part in the lake of all liars. Well, pastor, what, what, then what hope is there? Well, there's God's grace. That's the hope we have. See, God doesn't look down on us from his perfection with this idea of all I want to do is judge people. If that were the case, there'd be four people alive. Noah, Enoch, maybe Abraham, I'm not so sure though. Moses and Jesus, that'd probably be it. Because if God only set up on his high throne to judge all of us, then every time we sin, God would go, ant smite, ant smite, ant smite. And people be dying left and right. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says God knows our thoughts. So every time we'd have an impure thought, there goes another one. The Bible says, though, the problem is, is that we think it's our job to be God. Do you know God doesn't set up in heaven wanting to judge us? The Bible says God's sitting up in heaven. And this is what it says in verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to what? Repentance. God's not up there saying, I'm holy, you're all trash, because you're going to be judged because of your sin. God's saying, I'm holy, and I want you to be forgiven. Because I'm judged, because I'm holy, I cannot, I'm not just want to judge you, I want to forgive you. Can I tell you, if Christians took on that attitude, boy, how much happier church would be. People would come saying, I know I can come to church because even though I may have sin, I can find grace here. I'll never forget this uh, kind of, kind of a, a sad story to tell, but I was at camp one year and, and I always gave the same same kind of speech every year at camp. It was simple speech. Youth are simple. You can keep it simple with teenagers. I had one rule for camp. That was don't be stupid. I mean, that covers a multitude of things, doesn't it? Don't be stupid. You think that would cover the world for some people. One night, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a knock on the on the thing, and I'll never forget, the camp nurse looks over at me and goes, Oh, Bishop, that was his joke. Oh, Bishop, one of your, one of your darling children broke the golden rule. And, I, and I, I'm 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm trying to figure out what they're talking about. And, and, and sure enough, one of the girls had been jumping on the bed in the cabin and the ceiling had those exposed wrought iron supports. And she had jumped and bam, hit the top of her head and cut a gash in her head about an inch and a half long and about a quarter of an inch deep. And, and this young lady did not tell her pastor for over an hour. 
because the fear of God in Torin had enveloped her life. And all that was echoing in her mind was pastor's rule, don't be stupid. She sits there, and, and so finally I get in the golf cart with the, with the nurse, and we ride over to the girl's side and, and of, the, of, the, of the campgrounds, and, and there she is. She's got two or three towels wrapped around her head because the bleeding was, you know how head wounds are. And, and, and she's sitting there, and she's crying in tears. And the female counselor was with her, and she says to me, I'm so sorry. I was stupid. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Bawling. Now, at that moment, I could have been mad. I set a rule. She should have followed it. I, hey, hey, you know what? Walk to the hospital for all I care. You know, you know dig yourself out of this one. Get the super glue or something. You know, I could have been mad. I could have said, see what happens when you do bad things. You bad girl. You know what I did? I put my arm around her. And I hugged her and I said, it's going to be okay. Let's get in the van. She goes, aren't you mad? And I said, no. I said, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, but I'm not mad. And I think you're not going to do that again. <laughs> Paul's saying, listen, some people think that they're better than others and have the right to judge others, but really, the judgment of God was meant to try to pull us to forgiveness, not to pull us to hell. And the people that judge others, no matter how high their standards are, listen, the highest standing Pharisee, with all of his rules and regulations, still had to stand before God to account for his sins. Are you hearing me this morning? The, the person who thought their life was the holiness still has to account for God. So no matter how much better you are than somebody else, no matter how much they break your rules or, 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 or warp your standards, the truth is the person who thinks themselves higher than everyone else still has to stand before God and be judged. Paul says this secondly, verse 12. For as many have sinned without law, also perish without law. As many have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things of the law, these, although not having the law, are the law to themselves, who show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day of when God will judge the secrets of men by the gospel of Jesus, or by uh, secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. You know, the second part is that they're talking about. It's talking about people who have never heard before or claim ignorance. Remember, I told you before that inside of each and every one of us is the knowledge of good and evil. We can't escape that fact. 
Paul says even people who don't have the law of God never read the Torah before the first five books of the Bible, which is what we're talking about when we talk about the law. Look, these, things, these things are very clear. Not everyone's heard this. But inside their heart, there's this idea of what right and wrong is, and guess what? People are going to be held accountable for that. Now, I, don't, I, I, I can't pretend... Listen to me very closely. I can't pretend to understand how God is going to judge people who have never heard the gospel before. Nor do I intend to try to explain to you how I think God is going to judge people who have never heard the gospel. But I'll tell you this. When little children know they shouldn't steal. Okay? Look, when, when, when the Holy Spirit deals with them over repentance... We don't just say, oh, I'm going to keep doing that because nobody's ever told me otherwise. God will judge them for that. And can I tell you something I think is very important for you to hear? I don't know if God holds people that have never heard the gospel accountable or not. But I will tell you this. The Bible says Jesus will not come back until the gospel is preached to the entire world. See, there used to be an argument <clears throat> that we had in Bible college. Well, if God doesn't hold people accountable to the Bible, they've never heard it, then why should we go into those people and give them the truth of God's word? Because then it'll mess up things. Because then, Remember Paul? I didn't know it was a sin to covet, but when I found out it was a sin to covet, it was accounted unto me as unrighteousness. It, you know, he says, listen, he says, if, you, if they don't know it's not sin, why go in there? Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember, the good news of Jesus Christ is not condemnation. Hello? Boy, we get, we get off the wrong foot sometimes when we think the message of the gospel is about telling people they're living in sin. The message of the gospel is not condemnation. The message of the gospel is that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to be telling people. And let me tell you something. Ignorance may be bliss, people, but it's not a virtue. And I don't want people growing up in my neighborhoods, right down the road here, to be living within 15 minutes of me and them never know the gospel of Jesus Christ because I thought, well, you know, better to live in ignorance than to bother them with, with the truth. Because then it'll just weigh on their hearts. Well, the gospel's never intended to work that way. The gospel's intended, you teach it, they hear it, they repent, and there is no more condemnation. Oh, that should make somebody excited. Or, or maybe you haven't done that yet. I don't know. But my Bible tells me that once I've given, my, given up my life to Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive me my sins, there's therefore now con no condemnation. I'm not guilty anymore. I'm free in Jesus. The weight of the burden of my sins has been lifted off my shoulders. Well, listen, I want other people to feel that. But they won't unless we tell them. Finally, Paul says this in verse 17. Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God. And you know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law. And are confident that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor to the foolish, a teacher of babes, having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? 
you who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say we do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make a boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of the God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. I think one of the greatest groups of people that will ever be judged in the history of mankind will be the church. Because we have the truth. When we stand before God one day, we will stand before God having a full knowledge of this book. You know, I've told somebody, it's my goal as pastor not to leave one page unturned. Now, that may take several years. It may take a while to get through it all. But the last thing I want is for you to stand before God and go, well, you know, my pastor never read that book. Haggai? Who's Haggai? You know? Well, he didn't say much, but what he said was important. <laughs> or, or, or one of my favorites, Zephaniah. What was his mother thinking when she named him that day? I have no idea. Just said, let's, see how, let's see how mad we can make the teachers at elementary school. <laughs> What's your name, son? Zephaniah. How do you spell that? <laughs> oh, come on. That's funny. I don't care where you're from. But the truth is we have the word of God. And you would think sin would never find its way into the hearts of people who know the full truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it does. And we are without excuse. We of all people should know that when we do not follow the law of God, we should be the ones who expect punishment. Expect swift judgment from God. Instead, we believe because everybody's worse than us or because we're better than everybody else or because we're... We have taught Sunday school for 30 years that we can't be judged by God if we sin, but that's not true. Look, there is no one more worried about, about the judgment of God than this man right here. Because I've got to do it right. Even if I want to do it wrong, I've got to do it right. I have before me the full gospel of Jesus Christ in English, my, my native language. Although I babble a lot sometimes and don't make a lot of sense, but English is my native language. I have the full gospel of Jesus Christ in my language. I have read it, I have studied it, and I have dedicated my life to sharing it with you. Can I tell you all these preachers who are jumping on the bandwagon saying they believe in God and yet also believe that sin is okay, listen, they are going to be judged. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm above, I'm above the judgment of God. In fact, the Bible says we'll be judged more closely because we handled such a precious thing as the gospel. I worry, and I don't mind telling you this, I worry for some of the pastors in our area who claim that they even claim that they're not sure the Bible is accurate or true. They're not sure that, that, that sin is sin. Well, I can tell you right now, sin is sin. And that God will bring everything into judgment one day. And not a single person on the face of the planet will have an excuse. Not one. We'll all stand before God one day. So what's the point of that, Pastor? If we have no excuse, then what do we do with this information? Well, you share it with people. To what end? Well, not so they'll feel guilty, but that, so that they'll turn to Jesus to be saved. Do you understand? This is all about saying to people there's hope. 
You may be living in sin, but there's hope for you. You may have issues and problems and situations, but you don't have to stay in those problems. You don't have to stay in those situations. There is a way out for you, and it's Jesus Christ. Listen, most of the situations we're in today, now I'm not saying if you go to turn to Jesus, he's going to like make you win the lottery or nothing. But most of the situations we're in are because of the choices we've made. When Jesus is on your side, he helps you make better choices than you did the day before. The world needs to hear that message. And you and I are entrusted with that. We, it's, it's like, you know, the Bible talks about pearls. And, and Now, I don't know if you like pearls or not, but some women, some men, some women do. Pearls are, are precious things. And the Bible talks about that the man who once found a great pearl in a field left it in the field, bought the whole field just so he could have the pearl. It was precious to him. Listen, I want you to understand the word of God is a precious thing. And yes, it convicts us. But conviction's not bad because conviction leads us to Jesus. It's not bad when somebody says, listen, you have a sin issue. Because Jesus came to be the answer for the sin issue. Yes, you may feel guilty for a season, but you can choose Jesus and have freedom for eternity. The problem is when we think we're above being charged with sin. And the truth of the word is today, there is no excuse. There's no excuse. No one will be able to stand before God one day and give any excuse that God's going to say, well, you know, I've... I've got to put my God voice on. <clears throat> well, you know, I never thought about that. I, I guess I'm going to let you in. Not going to happen. Or God go, well, you know, that was a pretty good story, and I, you know, I enjoy testimonies around here, so I think I'm just going to let you buy on that one. Not going to work. Not going to work. We all have to be accountable to sin. But thanks be to God, he sent Jesus. Did you hear me? Thanks be to God, he sent Jesus. So when people say, well, what must I do to be saved? In other words, if judgment is really coming, and I said it before earlier, if judgment's really coming in America, then what do I do to be saved from the judgment to come? Repent. Repent. Has that ever worked before? Sure did. Oh, wow. Boy, there was once a wise man who said a very awesome prayer. Went something like this. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear for, you will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I'll heal your land. Look, there's no land around here that needs to be healed any greater than the United States of America. And people need to realize there's no excuse for sin. There's no, I don't care how bad your background was. I don't care where you grew up, how you grew up. There's no excuse for sin. There's no excuse for ignorance of sin. It's all been laid out before you. But not so that you can feel guilty, but so that you can find a way to grace. And ask Jesus to forgive you of those sins. 
Because you know what? There's only one thing that God's going to care about on the day of judgment. And I'll close with this. One thing He's going to care about on the day of judgment is your name in this book. That's it. No matter how much good you did in life, if your name's not in that book, it's not going to matter. No matter how many times you said you were sorry to God, if your name's not in that book, the Bible refers to it in our English vernacular as the Lamb's Book of Life. That's all that matters. No excuse will keep us out of judgment on the day. We can't call in sick. <laughs> we, can't, we can't bring a note from our parents. We have no excuse. But the great thing is, no matter what we've done, God wants to forgive. If we'll let him. So glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Highway 5 across from Everyday Inn in Bells Falls. You can also visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you. Have a great day.